If you are not a fan of dark, raunchy, potty humor, or dad jokes, or you have a hard time distinguishing reality from satire altogether, then this may not be the episode for you. However, comedians are not the enemy. They are simply making fun of things we all agree are fucked up. So please save your savior complex and take a joke. Anyway, listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. You're listening to the Disaster Party Podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of the band Tartar Control. I have an ongoing correspondence with Sean from Tartar Control. I haven't heard from him since late 2019. I don't know what's gone on with those guys. Like I like to think they got raptured away from 2020 and that maybe we'll see them again someday in the future uh and that they're spared corona times here but i'm with you through corona times and out of respect for the fallen i don't know what's up with those guys honestly is what's up what's up with that guy is that he's a friggin' endlessly positive mormon mess but like i don't know i hope he's doing fine i hope both sean and robert and well, yeah, robot too, and the autonomous. I don't even know how to wish them well, honestly. It's such a weird band, but like, um, I want to do a cover of uh, Tartar Controls. Cramps don't mean you're pregnant, and I'm going to do this in a very somber and respectful way for the band. <laughs> Gibson, ladies and gentlemen. That guy doesn't have to use a condom for shit. No, sir. That guy was in Road Warrior. In Gallipoli. Motherfucking Braveheart! Hey guys, 
guys, welcome to the another episode of the Disaster Party podcast tonight. I on the is my guest. I have a is a comedian. He's an actor. He's an activist. <laughs> he's That's a right. What, he's a pacifist. Is what he is. <laughs> what else are you, Sean? I'm an active pacifist. What's that? What what, what else are I'm you? I'm an Aquarius. Uh, I'm a philanthropist. <laughs> I'm a uh, sardonicist. Um, I was only called that once, and that guy was weird, so I don't know if I'd buy it, but... Masochist. I've been labeled a few things. Masochist? Well, you know, I mean, you know, to each his own. Uh, I, I do work pretty hard, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you do a lot of work. And I do play fairly sadistically. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. Good balance. I think. I don't know. Well, what's up? <laughs> is here. He just, uh... He just played out a little set for us, did a Dave Matthews impersonation. Straight up. Which was really good, and then uh, played a couple songs. He played one song from a band that he... I, found, I, I booked and thought he was in the band, but then it turned out that you just were affiliated with Oh, him, yeah, or? yeah, frequently. Well, I mean, people have made this mistake before on previous podcasts, and, you know, they, they think that I'm Sean from the punk rock comedy band... Tartar Control, which of course is two Mormon missionaries and a robot who sing offensive punk rock songs around the world, spreading the message of Mormonism, but obviously, guys, like, I am not some... How old is that guy anyway? He's gotta be like late 20s or something like that. I turned 40, like, recently, like last week, guys, and like, you know, there's... You know, I don't understand why people confuse. He's very handsome. I'll give him that. But like, I don't understand the confusion because that is like a hopelessly optimistic, you know, Mormon eternal boy man thing, and I am a ludicrously jaded uh, atheist attempting to be a better agnostic through omniism. Uh, which of course is, you know, I mean, there's overlap in whatever case of raw, but there is. Well, well, guys, honestly, there is one detail I wanted to share with you on that particular tip, uh, which is that, you know, in previous interviews that I've given, you know, people have asked me about Sean from Tartar Control, and I have said that, you know, we don't know each other, but it's time I gave you guys an exclusive and earnest confession. I personally know Sean from Tartar Control. Yeah. So, when did you meet him? Well, we haven't, but we are in <laughs> correspondence with each other on Facebook Messenger currently. There you go. Yep, he's a f- fan of my band page. He's a fan of my metal band page. Uh, he's, uh, you know, here's the truth, guys. I haven't talked to Sean from Tartar Control since, like, 2019. I don't know what happened, man. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen activity on their page. I presume their robot is autonomous and therefore okay somewhere. Uh, but whatever the heck is happening, man, that guy just disappeared. I like to think he got raptured away. You know, I guess that's his paradise ideal or whatever. He's probably on his own planet somewhere having a bang up time with his wives, I guess. I don't know how this works. Utah's I don't want to be a pretty crude. open state. What's that? Utah's a pretty open state. It's big and open, man. It's beautiful and sunshiny. <laughs> and, man, you, you come down from, like, the mountains that, you know, Joseph Smith came down. No, 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 forgive me. It's uh, Brigham Young came down, you know, in the 18th, in like the 1850s or whatever. 
and you see like the town below and it's golden and beautiful and you feel like you're descending from heaven into the city. <laughs> this is what it feels like. But like, you know, I don't know. Honestly, like last time I was up in Utah, it was like pioneer days up there and that's great. Like everyone's out boating and stuff and you know, that that looked pretty fun. But uh I don't know. I don't know how it goes with that guy. Honestly, if, if my knowledge of Mormonism is correct, there's some kind of schism back in the 1800s between, like, poly-marriage people and, like, mono-marriage people. And, like, as far as I know, that's just a cruel mockery that, you know, people who love South Park, like myself, will uh, sling at Mormons all day. But, but, yeah. But, honestly, all the Mormons I've met, really cool. Super cool, super open-minded, really curious, uh, really like, like enthusiastic, and like they're very they're a very open people. Honestly, as as far as religious people go, honestly, like I've encountered all sorts. Um, you know, I'm I'm in more of personally like kind of a you know I'm still exploring stuff. I'm interested in all kinds of religious doctrines, Zoroastrianism and like Kabbalah and like. Gnostic Christianity and like those guys have a fan fiction or whatever. I mean, it's you know Jesus, mm-hmm. where like he married Ma- Ma- Mary Magdalene, and they had a baby in North Africa. Like they have the Gnostics have this whole. There's a Tom Hanks movie about it, uh, where you know Jesus and Mary have a kid and they flee, and everybody says, oh, he died and rose to heaven, and that's why his body's not there, but. You know, theoretically, he took, like, magic mushrooms or manna, which is, like, acid from heaven, basically. It's like a fungal mold that grows in a desert plant, you know, during the one rainy season of the year as it evaporates or whatever. And it looks like a host, Catholics, out there, just so you know. It looks like an acid tab shaped like a host in a fucking desert plant in Africa or whatever. Anyway, my point is, like, like whatever it was, they believed he was dead, no heartbeat. They locked him up there. Someone jailbroke him. And the Gnostics think that they had it. You know, kid together and, and moved, which is a nice kind of happy ending to tack on to what is basically a brutal piece of anti-state legis, you know, or anti-state propaganda here. There is, let me put that a better way, uh, the the Gnostic Christian ending where Jesus runs away with Mary Magdalene is like a uh, really happy ending tacked onto a brutal historical tragedy where Rome killed this one terrorist who told everybody to love each other, you know. So, like, I, I, you know, I understand why we try to rewrite this and why the government itself that killed him would rewrite it and then do that many times over various other kingdoms to their own purposes, but, like, whatever, guys, right? Harry Potter's a pretty good book, too. There's more books of that, too, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. First hyperlink document, however... Uh, the Bible, King James Bible. Yep. You know what that is on the online internet hyperlink? It's uh, it's on Kindle, I believe. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The first one that I ever had that done to it was the Bible, and it's cool when you look at it, like the way that the cross hatching of the references are, as it radiates out, like the beginning of the book is the ending of the book, and the way it references to itself is like beautifully self-contained, honestly. Yeah. But like. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff lost in translation, and people get fundamentalists about just about any idea. You know what I mean? Like, I could be, like, a fundamentalist agnostic, but I'd be a total asshole, right? Like, I'd be here like, you can't know anything. No! Don't try! 
no, you can't. You know, like like yeah. that would be insane, obviously. And yet, other fundamentalists seem to be tolerated, relatively speaking. I don't know why. I'm not a Westboro Baptist fan, particularly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Tartar control. So apparently, mm-hmm. you're not in Tartar control. No, man. <laughs> but, no, uh, sir or but you madam. Do, you do I play am, music, I, though. Was it? I do. I do. I have a, a metal project I've made over 2020. Uh, I got uh, my friend involved in it right now playing bass with me. Uh, we're scouting a drummer. I have one particular lead that I'm excited about. Um, and yeah, uh, right now the album exists online if you want to hear. Uh, the band is called The Wolf. Uh, the first album is self-titled. It's called The Wolf. It's on SoundCloud. Uh, and yeah, I got a playlist up there of all 13 tracks. Uh, those tracks are just me. Uh, I programmed the drums and bass and the synth, and the guitars are me playing, and the vocals are me yelling. Uh, So what's up is I'm getting my buddy to do the bass parts and then getting a drummer involved, and then the rest we sacrifice to track, and then the three of us play live uh, is the idea. Nice. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it's going good so far. He's through most of the bass parts, and uh, it's progressing. You know, honestly, it'll probably be late... 2021 i'm guessing before stuff starts really opening the hell up again for live performance yeah um i heard some figures suggesting that by thanksgiving everyone in america will be vaccinated or whatever but who knows who knows how it's really going to go but i just wanted to have something out of the gate after the apocalypse hasn't claimed everybody uh (laughs) so that i got something to go on with yeah and uh you know uh yeah that's 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 what this is and i've always been you know a death metal fan always been a punk rock and you know hard rock fan since you know childhood for a long time like i think i started to turn to the dark side with uh oh uh i started to turn god damn give me a hand man uh one-armed drummer Oh, Death Leopard guy? Death Leopard, yeah. I started to turn to the dark side of metal with Death Leopard in the 80s when I was in grade school. Um, as, uh, as a fifth grader, I was allowed to bring in whatever music I wanted for us to work out during morning warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, brought, um, uh, I brought Guns N' Roses specifically, and we worked out to Mr. Brownstone, which is about drugs, guys. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, as a grade schooler, I just thought it was the raddest thing ever. Anyway, I don't know who Mr. Brownstone is, but this rocks. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> Good stuff. Good dad jokes, guys. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but like, always been like Cannibal Corpse showed up. It's true. I'm one of those guys. I was in middle school. Cannibal Corpse showed up in Ace Ventura Pet Detective 1 and I was like, what? <laughs> and by then I had been like, oh, Green Day is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like in my era, like, like you know, you show up at like the middle school party with Green Day or whatever and you're like the hero but of course like every single other kid has also shown up with their copy of Dookie. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're going to listen to Dookie again. But it's the greatest and like you don't, you know, this is me being pulled from like mainstream music into, you know, punk and metal finally. And like after that it was, you know, uh, honestly my favorite classic punk band of all times has got to be, oh god, I go way the fuck back. Yeah. Yeah, I still think they are. 
Uh, fucking. Mm. Shit, I'm so struggling on this one, guys. Give me a minute. <laughs> give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> Shit. I'm going way back. Um, I love the Ramones, but honestly, to me, I still prefer uh fucking Johnny Rotten. Give me a hand. Sex yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why proper nouns are the last fucking thing to come to my head every time, but like I'll hunt around that until I get it. Anyway. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, like the sex pistols, I always prefer as far as classicist punk like i love that i love that they got on a barge behind the queen's flotilla and like played god save the queen in the 70s while they're going down the damn river together like that's such ingenious like artistic terrorism <laughs> like it's like pussy riot getting arrested by the friggin' russian government oh um, i heard about that yeah man monsters <laughs> monsters of rock what did they on get pussy riot for, side you know? Man, it's the there. Um, forgive me. I believe the reason for the arrest that was given with the woman who was jailed. This is like, wait a minute. We got a guy on the internet here can look up these specifics for us. Anybody who could possibly jump online and look up about how the guitarist from Pussy Riot, what she got arrested for officially by the Russian government? I'd be curious to know. Can't, can't I presume it was because of their demonstration. <laughs> There's nonsense going down today in Russia. There's a huge thing going on in Russia right now. There's a lot of people protesting in the streets, and they should be because Putin's been grandfathering himself into the office is what's up. This guy's like a, I don't know, what kind of great-granddaddy clause this guy's using to pretend that he's, history. that he's got any kind of a democracy going there. But like, God. <laughs> Wait, so this is it? So on February 26, 2012, a criminal case was opened against the band members who had participated in the Moscow Cathedral performance yeah, on February 21st. Church. It was intense. There's good footage huh. of that. So I, don't, I can't pronounce these names. On March 3rd, Maria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to get it? Ali, yeah, Ali Kohina. Show me. Yeah. Right here, it's highlighted. Aliokina. Oh, okay. And <laughs> Nazda. To Oklahoma, to alleged members. Whoa! Of, wait a minute. We can't. We can't Americanize this. To Oklahoma. <laughs> that sounds like what happens when they legalize pot in Oklahoma. It's uh. Yeah. So Oklahoma. If we say it three times, if we say it three times, she gets freed from prison, guys. Come on. Let's get her out. So the two alleged members of Pussy Riot were arrested by the Russian authorities and accused of hooliganism. <laughs> like it's a soccer match or something? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know hooliganism was like a, a crime. Yes. How do you define hooliganism? Well, I don't know. Like these days it's a little confusing. Like you really need a giant online queue conspiracy before you can define who's a hooligan idiot and who's not in America, for example. Like, I mean, any, like, to me, hooligantery, if I had to put, like, a real definition on that, is when you're in the parking lot at the soccer match. Let's put a British interpretation on this. You're in the parking lot at the soccer match. You go, oh, your team sucks. And the other guy goes, oh, isn't that? Because they say that all the time. They say, isn't that? Is that? That's how you know the fight's on. If a guy questions you and goes, isn't that, in England, then and instead of saying, isn't it, mm. that guy wants to fight. It's the dead opposite in Ireland. Mm. 
as a matter of fact. In that case, it's like, oh, it's a great day, isn't it? <laughs> oh, sure, isn't it? Edna? <laughs> then the fight's on. That's what's up. <laughs> wow. So, so you... I'm speaking from a purely racist perspective, by the way. <laughs> I have Irish heritage and Italian heritage in my genetics, uh, but I was born American, so purely racist is... is uh, is my, uh, what the fuck, uh, is my uh, <clears throat> credentials, I guess, um, when, I, when I say stuff like that? I don't know. When can people talk about other people and cultures and not be afraid? When does that happen, by the way, guys? I try to do it, <laughs> but like, uh, it's like it's like an underground speakeasy situation, specifically in this room right now. Honestly, it's very dark. Yeah, I like to keep it really dark here for my, gar- for my guests and stuff. And I feel like I'm lurking on my own interview. I feel like... Uh, I don't know this is not really too much of an interview I guess oh shit I fucked it up dude I derailed you had questions prepared I saw all your bullet points it's okay you go ahead start no actually the the problem is I had had questions set up for uh, from Sean from Tartar Control oh shit and I just you know well I could give you a hearsay I totally messed up on that but yeah uh, when I first heard about Tartar Control when I first heard about you know what I thought what I thought you and uh, you know, and I follow. I, I think I followed you on Facebook and stuff. Thinking yeah. that too, and uh, I just feel so embarrassed now. Oh, don't be, don't be. No, it's cool, man. No, I get it. No, he's a cool dude. He's a great musician. Honestly, I love what that band does. I can't take it seriously, but it's pretty cool. Honestly, like you know, at the end of the day, like you know, they're like they're like the clowns that show up before the main course. It's like an amuse bouche of these improv comedians who play hardcore or whatever that is. Mormoncore. Yeah, or Mormon. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're on to uh, the big act. Like, yeah, they're rad. They're totally rad. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't understand, because those guys, like, you know, they started, like, 2008. They've been going, like, 12 years, man. Like, I can't imagine being that dedicated like that without some kind of because that's the thing is like there's no wikipedia article about these guys there's a loose collection of cell phone footage and there's videos they've released and they have a website which is really cartoony and like like friendly and stuff but when i look at the content i mean it's just dark it's just like it's just sinister i don't know if you've heard stepdaddy like that just dark dark stuff from those guys I don't know. He was talking about there being a third album they were working on or something. But again, man, that was like 2019. I just don't know what the heck what the heck happened to those people. You think that they're they actually exist or is it, or are they like holograms? I presume so. I mean, I have a chat history with this. Do you want me to break it out? Uh, I mean, AI is a is a pretty crazy thing. You can do anything. I got a that. chat history with this guy. <laughs> I don't know. Um. I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I can't. I mean, I don't know. I, I can tell you what I know if you want, man. But like, uh, honestly, like, well, <clears throat> well, you know, when I first heard about them, it was actually yeah. when they opened up for the Dead Kennedys, and uh, and my younger brother mm-hmm. and and our friend Jacob, who actually couldn't be here tonight, uh, he he wanted to come just <laughs> because he heard who was coming on and stuff. Oh, but um. You know, it's a good thing he didn't, because you know, you're not even the guy from Target Control. Yeah, I'd have been, I'd have been a big <laughs> letdown. 
Yeah. He I'd have been a in massive this, letdown. He would have walked in ready with his autograph ready. and. Aw. Oh. <laughs> poor bastard. But <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. Good thing he missed because it's just this uh, musical comedian who showed up today and definitely not that other guy. Yeah. But either way, I'm, I'm still glad you're here today. Just a musical comedian filmmaker who is still somehow living in Los Angeles uh, and, uh, yeah, and not that other guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, when I first heard about them, you know, they were going to see them open up for the Ted Kennedys and uh, yeah, man. couldn't make it, unfortunately. I mean, my, uh, couldn't get the day off of work and oh. stuff, and I was also really broke the four tickets at the time. Yeah. So <laughs> either way, I couldn't. But when they came back and told me about the concert, they weren't even talking about the Ted Kennedys. No! Nah! No, because it wasn't even Jello that was in the band at the time, right? No, that's right. Yeah, Jello and them been separate since like the late '90s, if I'm not mistaken about that. Oh, okay. And then he started his. What was the other band? Where's the early 2000s? Yeah, Guantanamo School of Medicine. Yeah. Sickest. Love it. And then he's been doing that. I ever love since. a Jello project. I love. I love Jello when he DJs off his vinyl collection. Mm. That guy's a genius. <laughs> that guy's a mad genius selling a series of collared shirts. And it's rad. I wish I wish I could fit into one of his collared shirts. I don't know if I could even deign to like approach the idea of how rad that guy is. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge Dead Kennedys fan myself, um, classically. And also, uh, No Effects is like huge to me. I love No Effects so much. Like ever since high school, I've been yeah way into them. Um, there's just there is just so many guys. I love Bad Religion. Yeah. I can't get enough. Like, like man, like I'm telling you, man. And you know, I'm a musician myself. Like the people who I've met doing this has really been the best part about the entire damn thing. Like at the end of it, like you know, you go out, you present a bunch of things that you want to put up in an act because you want to make people smile and laugh and have a fun time and run around and rock out and free and like free up. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that always you know, there's this aggressiveness about punk that I love. And that's the thing that got me as like a mainstream rock listener when I was a little kid yeah. is the fact that this is energetic and, and you find out why it's energized the longer you listen to it and the more you realize, oh man, this comes from poverty. This comes from political values that are anti-status quo. These are from people who are surviving in anarchy and who acknowledge that when you're out on the street and you walk, you know, into a McDonald's or whatever, or you go and get gas or whatever, even though you're living in a democratic country or whatever, in a democratic society, you're in anarchy. There's not necessarily a lot of recourse. Mm -hmm. There's cops you can call. There is the SWAT team that gets sent when somebody's robbing a bank. But, like, most of the days, our social interactions with each other, I, la I think, anyway, are in a form of ethical anarchy. Because mm. you don't know what that person's going to do. You don't know what, you know, the entire deal is, necessarily. There's a lot of stuff up to chance. Yeah. And you can kind of walk through and feel betrayed by your society when suddenly they don't have your back. Like, let's say the moment you get out of college and you're a type 1 diabetic and you don't have health insurance. 
So you're kind of screwed with county medicine until like, this is not purely theoretical, this is my life, until like, you know, the Affordable Care Act goes through with Obama. And by then you've got such a deep mistrust about state medicine, you're not even sure whether you should accept but like you keep going and like despite this illness and the fact that you can't get an endocrinologist to save your life even with medical for like five years i had one by the way recently she died guys january 3rd mm -hmm. she died no one told me i kept the appointment on the 20th that's how little you know organization there is here within medical for people who have serious diseases like type 1 diabetes yeah. Honestly, to me, like, the thing is, like, if the alternative is death, you have no choice. If, if capitalism gives you choices and your choice is life or death, then capitalism does not belong in the medicinal field. It may belong in science and in terms of uh, us progressing and discovering new things to benefit health. Certainly, there's good things to come from competition and research. But when it comes to administrating the medicine to people, it can't be the same country club casino garbage or people are going to die. And I count myself as lucky because uh, I had my family in my corner. You know, I have my mom and my sister. Uh, I've had friends in my corner who have sent me insulin. Uh, I had COVID. I got COVID in December of 2020. I had it from the 10th till the 21st. And people sent me, like, food that was diabetic-friendly. And they sent me insulin. And they sent me, like, donations to keep me alive. And I was in hell. I was in a bad place with a shitty primary care doctor who lied about the fax machine being broken. A primary care doctor who I got through Medi-Cal that I never saw by the way, because it's COVID and he's got some other dude whose name I don't know still, who is taking care of his medical patients while he takes care of the ones that pay for his practice in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. So I got out of there and now I have some other guy I'm seeing out in the valley or whatever. And you know, it keeps you running from doctor to doctor and from misservice to misservice and from complaint to complaint. But at the end of it, like, there's not a whole lot of goddamn recourse when the only alternative you have is death. Yeah. So I'm uh, like, I'm a Sanders fan. I did concerts. I did comedy concerts to benefit Bernie Sanders back when he was running. Oh, okay. um, nice. And like, I'm a progressive person. But like, there's a lot of stuff I still don't agree with within like things that claim to be the party. Mm. Like some chapters of this, like. You know, I, I, I admire the fact that you can't be a lone wolf forever. And I think that's part of the greater glory of what punk is about because it brings together these disparate people who otherwise would be on the outskirts of society and they find the good in each other. And if we're getting violent in the pit, someone picks you the hell up. Yeah. I'm always there on stage, like, pick them up, pick them up. Like, you see me walk away from a mic, I'm yelling at people, like, trying to get their attention, like, pick them up. Yeah. You know? There's there's something to be said for the glory of, like, plunging into a hellishly chaotic situation, but there's nothing like the glory of your friends lifting you the hell up and you standing up, too. And I think that's the greatest part about, you know, punk and metal. Mm -hmm. honestly is what it is that there is brotherhood that there is some kind of a family in this thing
And maybe it's not your family that rejected you from their Mormon household for being something they didn't like. I've seen that story many times. Yeah. You know, I run into fans who have like a religious background that was fundamentalist in their family and they just didn't fit and they were cast out and they had to fend for themselves or die and they had to, you know, it's, it's hell. And to be cast into the hell by something that was so hellish to begin with may become heavenly, honestly, is what I've learned. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of goddamn time. It <laughs> takes it being stuck in this relatively unreliable, chaotic world until you find something that just lasts. Something that can't be cut down. And you try to chase it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I feel like I feel like that's what I'm trying to do now with music is like I've always loved this. I've always done it. Like I honestly never believed I'd be a professional musician. Mm -hmm. I spent most of my time playing like acoustic guitar at parties and stuff in like yeah. college is like when it really happened. I was I was that guy. I was that dude playing Everlong. With the freaking Wonderwall. <laughs> Wonderwall, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I was that guy. And then, like, I had a joke band once um, called, uh, God damn, it's been so long. Oh, forgive me. Um, it's like, like Hot Heat or something. I'm sorry, I'm betraying my poor friend Darren who invented this band. <laughs> okay, it's my buddy Darren and his, and his friend, um, Friggin', okay, so here's the concept of Hot Love. It took me a minute. Okay, so my first band was called Hot Love. <laughs> it's a comedy band. It's my buddy, uh, my two friends, and uh, Darren and Helen, and they're playing a married couple, and every song is a fight between the married couple, and I'm just the <laughs> background. I'm just the music guy on the keyboard, yeah. but I'm playing drums and bass and keyboard on the synthesizer, right, that does everything at once. Yeah. So what we did, we won a battle of the bands and got to play the whiskey. This is the first time I played the whiskey, by the way. Oh, this nice. is like 2000 and, um, God knows. It must have been like 2005 or 2006, something like that. Mm. But the first time it was that, and it was, it was funny, but it was short-lived because there were serious bands on the bill, and they cleaned up, and they won the ultimate battle of the bands. But we got there because we had so many deviant, like, comedian people come up and cheer us on at the first battle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I always had this idea that like comedy and music together was was the ticket. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, now I'm trying to push with this metal project. Um, I've got a metal musical I've been working on for a long time. It's, uh, I've got about an hour and 15 minutes done of it right now with full voice. Excuse me. Uh, with full voice recording and um, sound effects and music. Um, I'm just picking up stuff with my friends doing voice acting and singing along the way for now until it's complete. And when it is complete, uh, I want to get like metal celebrities in on this. I'd like to get metal players who I, you know, who I worship and respect. Um, you know, I want to get singers in on this who are amazing and actors in on this who are amazing. Mm. But for now, I'm just composing and recording everything. I'm going to build um, a video spine to this with little descriptions about what happens along the way so I can build an animatic. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to get um, a uh, 
production designer in on this thing mm. so that uh, I have... Because I've never made an animated film before. Yeah. Like, all of my stuff before has been mostly um, music videos where I've done the directing and the editing. Maybe I've written the concept or something like that. And I've edited stuff where it's cartoons with live action and vice versa. Like, that's my... That and the one-shot video trick are my two favorite things in the whole world of music video filmmaking. Like, anything that makes it look like... Like, take, like, uh, Yonkers by, like, Tyler the Creator or something like that. I love a one-shot video. So hardcore because I love playing the game of, like, when did you cut? That video is on one shot? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think about it. It's presented that way. He's got at least two cuts in there that I noticed. The bug and the when he throws the shirt at the camera and it turns to black eyes. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about where he's got the contacts in? Mm. Yeah, I think there's at least two in that. Potentially three with the noose thing at the end. I really don't know. Mm. But like, I love those kinds of videos because they just make you think, what the fuck, yeah. every time and make you try to dissect like how something so natural-seeming could be fabricated you know what i mean like, yeah anyway yeah i'm a sucker for those things well we have to we're gonna cut away for a little break Dope. right now we're actually gonna play one of your songs that you just performed right now i'm gonna cool. edit it in make it which one's this is this the metal one or is this the acoustic one no the, the performance you did no so oh, you gonna show my performance oh my performance i'm gonna, was... put, I'm gonna put one of those little segments and so okay anyway, we're, we're i appreciate right. it man. thank you uh, the, that song by the way is off of uh the third to last album uh, the most recent album is open it's entirely acoustic music and open tuning and uh i do hope you enjoy it i think we got a link on this thing we do we're gonna have a link uh you sent me a whole like too much he sent me I'm gonna post all of it I'm already too much okay cool I appreciate you <laughs> thanks guys we'll be back peace there's no one smoking pot over there hi I'm Sean Hart uh, my new album is called Open it is an open tuning which is that uh, and I hope you enjoy it uh, this song is called Narcissist King <laughs> Talismans of simpletons and mortals. Many scores of doctors have endeavored to defeat me. This is such an honor, I'm so pleased you can meet me. I'm the narcissist king, I'm the narcissist king. You don't mean a damn thing to me. Once told a woman that I was a British royal. I'd rather come away through every situation 
situation You can feel the Bible and the lies I have to tell you If you still believe me, then I got a bridge to sell you I'm the narcissist king, I'm the narcissist king You don't need a damn thing to me I'm the narcissist king, I'm the narcissist king And you to me well, all right then we're back and uh we're here with Sean um Sean it's really been a it's really been great having you here. I really appreciate Thanks, you coming out and stuff. And uh, yeah, I know I know you're really busy with. It's like, good to be in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I know you've been really busy. You have like all your music projects and stuff. You have a lot of projects. Yes, I do. On top of all that, you have all these people, you know, thinking that you're the guy from Target Control. So. Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to be known uh, for uh, for things you make. But I'd really <laughs> like the public to know who I am inside. <laughs> But so this uh, this album that you just released, um, yes. open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about God. Talk about getting to know my my softy acoustic side. Yes, that's uh, that's what yeah. I listened to the to the full album, and I was I listened to it while I was doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. And it, it was really great music to do dishes to. <laughs> I was the most productive I ever been washing those dishes. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, there's some really some really great stuff on there, and honestly, like the for me it was like the just the song structure, the, the, you know, just the ideas for structure. I feel like, and it really is perfect for you know like who you are and your personality and stuff. Like it comes out in your music and stuff, which uh, Thanks, I just man. saw meeting you today, which is you know, which uh, don't take this go as, for it. as an insult, but hit me. Very sporadic. <gasps> me, me. At least I'm consistently inconsistent, right? I mean, there's some through line. But that's what I love music that is sporadic and just like has, I'm a sucker for a Mike Patton project specifically. Yeah. If I had to pick one dude who like is my hero, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. What what uh, other like influences did you have like growing up? Obviously, a lot of punk oh, music. music. Well, in acoustic world, like I was like an Eric Clapton. Band like as a little 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 kid like like my first concept of like what is a one man acoustic guitar project like mm-hmm. my first influence on that was Eric Clapton, uh, Bob Dylan. After that, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of Dan Byrne. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a Los Angeles uh, acoustic guitar uh, performer, and he is fantastic. That guy's got a song Jerusalem. Yeah, I love covering that thing to this day. That's one of those songs I learned uh, like back in college. I interviewed him once. I interviewed Dan Byrne on a radio show. Oh, no, forgive me. Forgive me. No, I met Dan Byrne when he was interviewed on my friend's okay. radio show at UCLA Radio back in the day. That's what it was. Okay. But like, I have met him, and he is incredible. Um, but, but yeah, um, yeah, I guess my, my concept for whatever that whatever it means to be just like some guy singing with an acoustic guitar mm. uh, is, is yeah, it was formed in that for sure. Mm. Yeah. So 
when uh when things you know open back up if they if they ever do and, yes uh, you know oh they they are now it's just we're all speakeasy styles what's happening yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening honestly it's not not terribly trustworthy in a lot of places is what's up like i'll I, i'm doing performances and stand up now yeah but they're outdoors they're socially distanced. People are swabbing the mic in between comics mm. and stuff like that. Yeah. There are places in Orange County that are popping off right now. I'm just saying, like, people are moshing without masks out there in a tiny, sweaty room having a fun time. It's dangerous as hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're connected to people, you know, who have, who are, you know, seriously in danger, um, you know, I mean, like, I was a, you know, I was a diabetic. I, I am currently a diabetic, so like when I had it, like it was dodgy and scary. Yeah. Um, mercifully, I haven't. I don't know. One thing it caused me to stop doing is cigarettes. I stopped that uh, December tenth, twenty twenty, and I do not hope to ever revisit that again. Mm-hmm. Is the honest to God truth. Like, you know that that inspired me to to keep the hell away from from that. Honestly. Um, so I'm glad for that. Uh, if with time off for good behavior, I've been smoking like half a pack a day for like 14 years or something like that. And yeah. I'm just I'm just glad not to go near it anymore. You know. I'm just I'm just glad he stopped smoking cigarettes. Yeah, did a, he says as he rips his bong. Look at you go. <laughs> Look at you go. Can't stall. Well, actually, with all authority because it's legal in California. Never mind. That's yeah, he can. No, no one's gonna knock down the door over here. I guess not. I'm telling you, man. '90s pot rules are different. Just so you know, right. I don't know about you. I got PTSD, like post or like, what are you? More like, yeah, PTPD, like post traumatic pot disorder, <laughs> like from, yeah, from old school rules. Yeah, it's scary, man. It's right. Scary. I remember like how how crazy, it, just to think that like just people that are still in jail. Yeah. For you know for selling pot or smoking pot straight up yeah and, uh, i mean here freely smoking it and stuff i like walk down the street to trader joe's and, <laughs> and we'll be smoking a joint and stuff i've had you know which uh amen to that justin <laughs> yeah <laughs> highly salazi is coming back we have to get ready and smoke as much pot as we can before he returns that's how this works i was told i mean i, I don't know if i uh-huh. you know i presume i presume i hope he does that'd be cool yeah. That'd be dope, man. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this also, like, so so besides the acoustic project and stuff, it, and then you have your metal project, you have yes. the musical. What is number one on your list of projects right now? Like, what's, like... Oh, this very moment? Like, like, to, like tomorrow, what am I going to work on? Mm. Of personal stuff. Because, honestly, I do this for other people. Like, I make music videos for other people. I make films for other people. I've... <clears throat> I've been, you know, in an, like an independent filmmaking capacity for like 20 years now, honestly, in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because like I, as a performer, I meet other people who need that. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, and they're friends and like I want to I want to do that. Um, so, you know, honestly, to be totally honest with you, dude, tomorrow what I was really thinking of jumping in on now that this acoustic thing is handled, my metal thing is being built still mm. um, with my other players. And, like, you know, I have stuff I could pull the trigger on with my musical in terms of, like, I, I have a friend of mine who might be doing the voice of the witch right now who's at the very end of my first act who I want to j- jump on there because right now it's me doing the voice of the witch. And it's <laughs> not very impressive, guys. I'm not, 
it just doesn't sound right. Um, like I could jump on that, but honestly, I'd like to get more covered first so that when I jump her on, like it's just one go and it's easy. Yeah. Um, the truth is, like I've been trying to get gigs. Uh, I'm a SAG actor. Like I've been doing background for a long time on film and television. You mentioned that uh, yeah. on the phone when I was talking to you the other day that mm-hmm. you were on a. The first gig you got, excuse me, the first gig you got was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Oh, God! A million years ago. Yeah, when I was when I first started doing background acting, my first gig was Pirates of the Caribbean 2, and now I kind of look like that guy again. Did you get to meet Johnny Depp at all? No, no, but I did get to fall asleep in a grass field on Disney Ranch while I was waiting to be used again <laughs> because I had gotten three hours of sleep the night previous started filming at 7 in the morning in ice-cold conditions, and ate lunch, passed the hell out, and was awoken by a PA who informed me that I wouldn't be needed for the rest of the day. So that was it. That was it. That's the okay. le- but, but that was the first one. And, like, I don't know. I've been an actor since I was a little kid. Um, I was acting in grade school productions and stuff. I did musicals in, like, middle school. Um... Uh, I toured with a musical when I was in high school once through Europe. Um, You know, theater nerd here, right? (laughs) Uh, But that being said, tomorrow I'm going to be working on a comedy thing that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I finally got stuff recorded on it. It's it's like a... uh, it's a live action comedy thing where, but it's sketch comedy between me and recorded versions of myself. Hmm. Um, I have a thing on YouTube where I do this basically with a green screen. Uh, what I do in that YouTube thing is I improvised for about 20 minutes straight. And then I made visuals around all of that basically with a bunch of takes after the fact. Uh, and what I'm doing for this is like, I'm setting up, uh, music beds and like sound effects transitions and things so I can do sketch comedy uh, with myself as other characters mm. and like cut it up in between with videos is what I want to do to cover for costume changes and build it into like an hour long one man show kind of a thing is what I'd really like to do Okay. Um, but I got the start of that and I'd like to pursue that probably tomorrow is what I'm going to be doing would this be something like yeah. Um, so it, would there be like any music in that, or is that yes. strictly okay? Yes, absolutely. But it's it's given that it's a comedy thing, and uh, I'm approaching this more like what if Max Headroom, like showed up all of a sudden and had like total media control over the stage mm. and was a comedian. Like I'm looking at that kind of. You know, so it would be something you could like take on tour and do like live shows. Ideally, you. yes. Like yeah. I'd love to do this. Like like take it all over the damn place. I don't know why, but I just kind of imagined yeah. like uh, like a Bo Burnham vibe. I love <laughs> fucking Bo Burnham. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. I'm a big fan of Bo Burnham. That is for sure. And Reggie Watts. Oh, Reg- also. I actually got to see him. We, he used to play in we Highland got- Park all the time. Where? Uh, like every Thursday night. In Highland. Yeah, in Highland Park, he played Where every at? Thursday. Mr. T's. Was it Mr. T's? I'm guessing. Is it like a... I know that guy. Well, here's what I'm saying. I, I met him before back in the day. Uh, like, we were doing, like, around... I started around the same time he was starting to blow up, mm-hmm. and then fuck shit stack broke, oh. and it was, like, the end of everything. He just, like, like tore off into the stratosphere. And I ran into him again recently. I think it was... Uh, I forget what the coffee place is in Hollywood, but, like... 
it was cool. I got I got to open for him back in the day. Yeah, oh, open wow. for him back in Canada is what was up back in Toronto. Um, it was funny. Uh, this band Macaulay Culkin's band played the oh. Pizza Underground. Are you familiar? I with think the the, the other day the Blood Moon Hollers were talking about that. It on was show. so funny. It, it was funny. They they just brought that up about. It was Macaulay. so funny. He's in that, and he like the, they don't even mention that he's in that. He's just hanging out like. I forget what his capacity was. I forget if he's like playing a washboard or like a drum or something. But they the like barely pizza, use right? him, and it and every song is like a rewritten. Yeah, um, fucking. It's like covers, but what kind of covers is is it again? I forget. Oh, is well, it like a certain band or? Yeah, it's a oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm starting to blank. Underground. Uh, oh, Velvet. Velvet Underground. Velvet. It took me a minute. Yeah, Sorry. okay. It's in the pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all Velvet Underground covers remade to be about pizza. And, like, Macaulay Culkin's there, and you don't even know it's him. It's so funny. <laughs> but, like, it was it was great. Like, um, uh, uh, we, we went up, they went up, and then Reggie went up, and I got to talk to him. I got to talk to him backstage. Uh, I forget who was hosting. Oh, God, I feel like an idiot. Um, it's this... M- m- uh, Milanakis, Andy Milanakis. Oh, yeah, he shit. was hosting. He's funny as hell. The whole show was like, there's this one porn star. I, I can't remember her damn name, Anne Marie or something like that. Lisa Ann. Okay, so Lisa Ann has released a uh, a uh, pocket pussy version of her own vagina. It's been molded <laughs> on it, right? And so they're like giving out copies of her vagina. <laughs> you know, to people in the audience and stuff, and, you know, I got one, and, like, I didn't keep it, I honestly left it in the hotel, is what's up, unboxed, or boxed, forgive me, her box remained boxed, and, like, any Milanakis was just, like, it was, it was so weird, it was such a weird night in Canada, we played, I forget what it's called, it's like the Opera Hall or something like that, or some kind of, something like that, I forget what it's called. We had a few shows there. We played Bovine Sex Club, which was really fun. It's like a punk and metal place. Um, and then we played an improv comedy show at a theater that was so badly attended that we had to we had to physically play outside of the stage to make people from the bar come in and fight us <laughs> for participation. Is basically what it was. But like, but that first show with Reggie Watts was just like. So fun, because I hadn't seen that guy since, like, 2000, and, like, God knows how long it had been. It had been at least eight years at that point since I'd seen him. Yeah. And, like, that was, that was really fun. But, but honestly, I, I've always admired that kind of one-man comedy performance thing. Mm-hmm. I've done versions of that in the past with sketch shows. I had did something called Live TV back in the day that was a rear-projected sketch show where all the sets and stuff are on a projection screen that show up behind you and there's no like projection that's covering the actors because it's rear projected so like it's cool it like lets you do transitions and play videos and things that in kind of a similar vein but honestly besides that and a show i did called destructo back in the day that was a sketch show i haven't entered into that in a long time and actually one of my good friends uh from that sketch show, you know, continued on to do his own one-man audio production monstrosity called the Imaginary Radio Program. Uh, Buddy Drennan mm. did that, and like, I think he's still doing it now. I think he still tours it and stuff. But that is 
like really supreme and like I've I've always liked that kind of genre performance and just never really sunk into it. Yeah. Most of the time I find myself running between making money by giving somebody else like their media dream. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't get to steal I look at it that way, stealing time to make my stuff come to life because I really have to spend it making money to live and support my poor diabetic butt yeah. basically is what's up but I don't know hopefully that I don't know hopefully it, the longer I go with these things the more it'll progress and <laughs> speaking of too many projects if I don't want to do my uh, my comedy thing tomorrow I could always write my book I have a feature length <laughs> live action screenplay I wrote about growing up on the central coast of California in the 80s. Uh, and a friend of mine read it and suggested that I convert that into a book uh, to get interest before I release the film or even try to produce the film just to see if people want to support that. So that's, that's what I'm doing, man. I'm converting a screenplay into a book. And then for fun to relax and just screw off, I make comedy. And that's yeah. that's like... That's like what I'm doing right now while I hope to crap that I get pulled in on some acting gig so I can justify the SAG dues that I'm paying. Like, like that's where I'm at right now. Well, damn, man. Yeah. I thought I had a lot of projects. <laughs> you do? What you got? <laughs> damn, I thought... Now I'm like, I, I can't even add up. I'm not writing a book or anything. I got this, <laughs> So I got this podcast, which, you know, I don't... As you can see, I don't that's really... That's dope. I want one now. <laughs> I don't really work too hard I'm going to start mine tomorrow. You're going to be on it. You could do a one-man podcast, like, just straight up. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm too talkative. That's what I'm <laughs> No, it's great. I mean, you I know... I've been locked up forever, and I'm a blabbermouth is what's up. Well, you know, like, um, there's a lot of comedians that do that. Like, <laughs> if I had to pick, like, a grade school diss to put on my entire character, blabbermouth is probably it. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of comedians that, that uh, do, like, the one-man podcast where it's just... Either, like, some sort of sketch comedy or just, like, a rant. Like, Bill Burr yeah, does, yeah, like, yeah. the whole, like... Oh, he's got hours on YouTube where, like, you could fall asleep with Bill Burr just, just, like, yelling... <laughs> yelling about New Jersey. Have you heard you about the asleep? one with, uh... heard him do the Yoko Ono one with, uh... Which one? It's, like, John Lennon and Chuck Berry are playing okay. a song together. <laughs> I don't know this one. And, uh... <laughs> it's... It's really just, like... It's Bill Burr just ranting over a video of Chuck Berry, John Lennon, and then he's like talking about how you know John Lennon is playing with one of his heroes and stuff, and yeah. and Yoko Ono was in the band. She was playing like this this drum okay. or something, and uh, like during the song and <laughs> like they're playing, having a good time and stuff. But Yoko grabs her drum mic and just starts going Aah! like into Are you it. A dolphin. Yeah, Straight and then. Up. <laughs> That's a good and lead. then like you just it just freezes like on Chuck Berry's face the moment that happened you just see his face just look all fucking pissed off like and like John Lennon just keeps playing like nothing's happening she's and riffing stuff. man she's riffing yeah <laughs> but like Chuck Berry just looks so pissed off at that moment and it's just it's just a really golden moment <laughs> in music history oh uh, it's fun it's fun to have a jam session yeah it's great I'd do that I'd love that I'd love a jam session with like I would like it if Bjork showed up and did dolphin voices personally like that's my dream personally like she's she's like phenomenal like I don't know I got a crush on Bjork guys this time I told you I have this I have this okay forgive me for going saying giving too much information about Bjork but uh you know that one song she does uh how's it goes uh um 
you'll meet an oh, and if you complain once more, you'll meet an army of me. You know that song? Honestly, no. Okay, okay <laughs> she, yeah. If you complain once more, you'll meet an army of me. Like I have this fantasy of her singing that as she disciplines me with music. <laughs> like I can't help it. She's got such a sweet, quiet voice, and I just want it to destroy me. <laughs> Forgive me, I've said too much. Okay, yeah, but go ahead, yes. Well, I'm going to tag uh, Bjork in this. What? You aren't? No, your friends? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Let her know that Hyper Ballad is easily my favorite thing she's ever made and that I listen to it regularly and expose newcomers to her music with the song and video Hyper Ballad, which is the raddest thing in the whole world. Oh, I got to check you, it out When myself. you rat me out to her for liking her. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Oh shit, the drones are here, guys. Yeah, you heard that, right? <laughs> it's... The pork choppers. The pork choppers? <laughs> I've never heard that! I say copper choppers forever, I've never heard the pork choppers before, though. <laughs> that suggests... Chop- that suggests... I hear that? I'm sure... I, I, I don't know if I accept pork choppers, because that suggests that they've been grilled and spiced, and that they have some taste to them, but, like, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the pun, though. Like, that, that's pretty good. I don't remember. Like, I didn't invent that. No, that, I probably got that from a, by a comedian or a movie or something. Gotcha. And, um, but yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, like, I think we're we're about to wrap it up here. But before we do go, is there anything like, anything you wanna you wanna bring up, talk about a little little plug here and there? You have like another uh, like a full length uh, feature film coming out or anything like that? No, that's everything. You got it there? Okay, what's this book, by the way? Oh, shit, let me see. Yeah. Left Behind, a novel of the Earth's last days behind. Oh, Tom my God. and Jerry B. Jenkins. Oh, my God. Okay, so this book is called Left Behind. It's entirely about the rapture, you guys. It's hilarious <laughs> that you randomly pulled that book off of your shelf <laughs> and turned to this page. Okay, go ahead. And you started where again? You at a point where you're at? Okay, cool. So this is Dave Matthews doing page 304 from left behind i need it like this just so i can see in the light a little better buddy just rotate so the lights like that thanks pal okay cool here we go earlier this evening williams was considered an international fugitive of Wanted both by Scotland Yarn and Interpol for questioning in connection with the father for death. Both agencies have since and now she has been clear of all charges and is considered lucky to have escaped unharmed. In sports news, Major League Baseball teams. You get the idea. And I'm just saying. My name is Justin Amon. Thanks for listening to the Disaster Party Podcast. See you next time.